The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. It's one of the most ancient ceremonies in the world, faithfully observed through the generations by the Jewish people. Passover is still a deeply spiritual time in the nation of Israel, and we invite you to join us in Jerusalem for six nights of our 22nd Convocation. Accommodation and events will be at a five-star hotel with days of touring in the Holy City and beyond. We'll be observing a traditional Passover meal and preparing for the events of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday that immediately follow our Convocation Week. For details, check the events page of our Jerusalem Channel website. time events are advancing at an exponential rate. Global birth pangs of the return of the Messiah have become increasingly intense, with one birth pain seemingly coming right on top of the other. It's time for the churches to wake up and to look up. Despite what scoffers say, even within the denominational churches, Jesus is coming soon, and the best headlines are in the Bible. Shalom, I'm Christine Darig, and I want to start today by reading headlines from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because although the Apostle Paul wrote these words to his protege Timothy nearly 2,000 years ago, this chapter reads like a description of the evil in the last days. Know this, Paul wrote, that in the last days perilous times shall come. He says, for men are going to be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And I want to especially underscore the next words. He said that people will be without natural affection, verse 3. And I want to pause here for a minute to give some commentary on the abortion crisis in Western nations, particularly in the United States, although the UK and Ireland are tragically on the same course. As Paul said, people without natural affection are symptomatic of our times. Mothers aren't exhibiting the natural affection that's been inherent for millennia. For example, in the news, the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, this group dedicated a new abortion clinic in Cleveland, Ohio, by having a denominational Christian cleric say a blessing over the clinic, which was described as a sacred space of decision. America is being torn apart by the abortion issue. 
Individual states and the political parties are polarizing over abortion. And with every positive pro-life step that's taken forward, it seems that militant abortionists pull society back two steps, demanding more blood. National repentance is our only hope. The pro-abortion group Planned Parenthood in Ohio released a notice from its Ohio branch calling the new abortion clinic Holy Ground. They claim that pro-life advocates don't have a monopoly on God. The notice by Planned Parenthood said that many faith leaders and people of faith hold the opinion that providing abortions are good and godly decisions. Well, Franklin Graham, the son of the late evangelist Billy Graham, America's pastor for decades, Franklin Graham expressed his shock in a Facebook post over the religious language at the abortion clinic dedication. He wrote, can you believe this? In reality, they're actually blessing murder. They're blessing actions that are against the laws of God. Franklin Graham wrote that it would be like priests standing outside the gas chambers at the Auschwitz concentration camp and blessing the murder of innocent Jews. And recently, a Messianic minister wrote a blog saying that a civil war is coming in America. Again, a civil war because this time of the abortion issue. He wrote candidly saying that revival simply cannot circumvent a civil war if large portions of the populace don't believe that abortion is evil. Just as in the days of slavery, the 19th century American Civil War over slavery could not be circumvented because not enough people believed that slavery was evil. Well, according to the Bible's teachings, life begins at conception. But calling evil good and even holy is exactly the scenario that the Apostle Paul said would happen in the last days. It's a very dangerous deception when religious people wearing clerical collars and clerical robes lead others to believe that murdering babies is something that God would actually condone. But Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and who call good evil, who put forth darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Our prayer for troubled mothers is that they will have a healthy respect for the bodies of the babies that they're carrying. Babies which have a different DNA and can have even a different blood type from the mother's body. You see, babies are unique individuals and their tissues are different from the mother's tissues. It's my prayer that pregnant women consider other alternatives that don't include murder. And in Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. For those who question whether abortion is really baby killing, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, recently left us no doubt. Not only did he advocate the possible killing of a newborn baby, in a press interview, he advocated that 
People should be civil when discussing it. Of course, no believer should ever act uncivil, but to be civil when discussing infanticide is reminiscent of the cold, dispassionate reasonings of the Nazi leaders when they discussed the wholesale slaughter of Jews. As one man of God described it, the way an accountant would discuss balancing the books. Well, during a radio interview, the governor of Virginia seemed to endorse killing an infant that survives an abortion. So an uproar was created over what virtually amounted to his sanctioning of infanticide. And he was asked the next day in another interview if he had regretted his comments. But the governor, who unbelievably happens to be, of all things, a pediatric neurologist, replied without hesitation that he had no regrets. The context of his comments concerned the proposal of an abortion law in Virginia that would have allowed a full-term pregnant woman who was already in labor, who was dilating, to choose to abort the baby, even for mental health reasons. And American Vice President Mike Pence wrote a pointed article for the press saying that the governor's position is morally reprehensible and evil. Rather than giving into despair over all of this, we should pray always, but also look up because Jesus is coming. These are all signs that he is going to return and he's going to have to take over the reins of world government. Well, the Apostle Paul prophesied in our text today in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that people would not only be without natural affection, but he said that evil would grow worse and worse. And isn't that happening? I saw the Apostle Paul's prophecy coming true right before my eyes as I watched on television the proponents of a new abortion law in another state, in New York State. They actually stood up and cheered the fact that they had just passed a law that would allow abortion up to birth. Also frightening to me was New York City's One World Trade Center lit up with pink light to celebrate the bill's passage. This was a horrible twist of irony because pink is the color used to celebrate the birth of baby girls. The new bill in New York legalizes abortion through the ninth month of pregnancy while also allowing non-doctors to perform abortions. The passing of the bill was met with jubilant applause from both lawmakers and people in the gallery. And I saw the same strange and defiant jubilation without natural affection on Sky TV after Ireland's landslide abortion referendum. Almost 70% of voters said yes to repeal an amendment which had made abortion illegal, except in the cases where the mother's life was endangered. Another disturbing headline in Sign of the Times says that millennials are rejecting mainstream Christianity to embrace witchcraft and the rise of the occult. Pagan religious practices increased in the United States over the past few decades, with millennials turning to astrology in worthless things like tarot cards. 
But the rejection of our Judeo-Christian culture will always leave a void. This is because we are essentially spiritual beings. God created us that way. So we'll seek to fill the void with something else. And there have been many headlines in the news about witches seeking to put a hex on the President of the United States. And during the Congressional confirmation hearings of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, a witch's coven reportedly put a hex on the conservative judge. Of course, believers should not be afraid of hexes because the Bible teaches that an undeserved curse is not going to stick to a person protected by the Almighty. Nevertheless, the number of witches and Americans practicing Wicca religious rituals has increased dramatically since the 1990s, with several recent studies indicating that there may be at least one and a half million witches across the United States. If these numbers are correct, that means witchcraft now has more followers than the 1.4 million mainline members of the, for example, Presbyterian denomination. During the Brett Kavanaugh hearings in Washington, a replica of an arch that stood outside the Temple of Baal, a temple dedicated to child sacrifice, was erected in the nation's capital. The original Arch of Palmyra was destroyed by the Islamic State in 2015. But one year later, the Institute for Digital Archaeology used 3D printing technology to reproduce a full-scale 20-foot replica and a reproduction of the arch has been displayed at key locations around the globe. Many British believers were disturbed when they saw the arch as an omen of trouble when it was displayed in London's Trafalgar Square in 2016 when it was erected for the UNESCO World Heritage Week. The unveiling coincided with the beginning of a 13-day period known in the occult as the blood sacrifice to the beast, the most important holiday for those who worship the god Baal, who celebrated with child sacrifice and sexual orgies. It's been pointed out that an arch is a gateway, and many watchmen on the walls are concerned that erecting this arch is a very naive, open invitation for the spiritual entities that were originally associated with this arch to come on in to a nation. Paul went on to say that in these perilous times of the last days, people will also be truce breakers, false accusers. And daily there are so many slanders and misstatements in the news that one hardly knows who to believe. False accusers without self-control, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of God. And he says, they'll always be learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth, as Janus and Jabres. Here, Paul, as a rabbi, referred to the names of the magicians who withstood Moses in Pharaoh's court. Those names were known to the rabbis. 
So the people of the last days will be like Janus and Jabres. They will resist the truth. They'll have corrupt minds. They'll be reprobate concerning the faith. And yes, Paul said, all who purpose to live godly in the Messiah Jesus shall suffer persecution. But in verse 13, he says, evil men and seducers are going to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So many deceptions. And one of the big deceptions being pushed by politicians all over the world is globalism, the so-called new world order. They're saying that borders are immoral. They say, let's have one world where everyone is equal. But the Bible teaches that we're supposed to discern the times, that nations do have borders. And globalism is preparation for the one world government that will be led by the Antichrist to come. Whenever God raises up brave politicians who stand in the way of the globalist aims, that gives us a little more time to preach the gospel. Yet for many decades, the world has been calling for a new world order led by a superman. And only the Holy Spirit has been restraining his appearance while evangelists faithfully preach the gospel around the world to bring in the fullness of the Gentile harvest into the church before the return of Jesus. As far back as 1957, the Secretary General of NATO, Belgian politician Paul-Henri Spack said that what we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the alliances of all people and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. He said, send us such a man, be he God or devil, and we will receive him. That often quoted statement is certainly a preview of the Antichrist, the longing for the Antichrist, who's described as a beast of a man in Revelation chapter 13. And in verse 14, it says, he deceives those who dwell on the earth by his signs. And he tells those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast. And the image is going to be empowered by some sort of artificial intelligence because it speaks and causes those who don't worship the beast, the image of the beast, to be killed. Now, can you imagine how futuristic this vision was to the mind of John the Apostle nearly 2,000 years ago? Yet, he faithfully recorded the vision. And artificial intelligence and robotics are advancing rapidly, making this prophecy no longer futuristic. And the chapter goes on to say that he causes everybody to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads so that nobody can buy or sell without the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so as we've been reviewing Revelation chapter 13, we learn that technology is going to be manipulated by the Antichrist and his false prophet to gain power over the world. Even now, big tech is increasingly encroaching upon all of us with invasion of privacy. Even without thinking much about it, people are already programmed to have frequent interaction with artificial intelligence. It's become a part of our daily routine. We ask Siri questions and directions on our smartphones, or 
We take advantage of artificial intelligence devices in homes. It's all so very convenient, but futurists generally paint a dark picture of where artificial intelligence is headed. Singularity is the term used to describe when artificial intelligence is no longer just the product of man, but when it's taken complete control with a mind of its own. Governments also recognize the destructive potential of artificial intelligence. For example, the British Prime Minister announced that the government is establishing an advisory body to coordinate with other countries how artificial intelligence can be used ethically for military purposes. In a breaking Israel News article, Rabbi Michael Leitman said that he believes that technology and artificial intelligence will play a major role in the end of days, but not necessarily a positive role. You see, the rabbis point out that human beings are already being blended with machines, making artificial intelligence look beneficial, for example, who can question an artificial eye for the blind or a microchip implanted into the brain to help a quadriplegic. However, in the end, the blending of human biology with mechanical technology will very likely be used for evil. Recent news headlines about AI, artificial intelligence, are disturbing, such as one that said, inside the first church of artificial intelligence. And the article said that experts claim the world's next great religion could have a robot god because they say humans are pre-programmed to worship things more intelligent than ourselves. Well, back to our text in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In the last days, evil is going to go worse and worse, and that's the opposite of utopia that everyone believes this world is going to eventually achieve. We've watched in horror as the Catholic Church has been facing its most serious crisis in 500 years since the Reformation. Wave after wave of clerical sexual abuse revelations have left Catholics reeling. From one end of the side of the earth to the other, from Australia to the United States, horrifying reports have revealed thousands of cases of child molestation by members of the clergy. One American grand jury reported a documented thousand children abused by 300 priests in the state of Pennsylvania alone over seven decades. And a new wave of revelations exposed the persistence of abuse, but also implicated high-level church officials in the abuse and its cover-up. The former Archbishop of Washington resigned from the College of Cardinals when accusations came to light that he had sexually abused a minor and harassed seminarians that he had supervised. The revelations were particularly troubling because the former archbishop had played a leadership role in the Catholic Church's response to a previous sexual abuse scandal. And then a former Vatican diplomat published a letter accusing Pope Francis himself of knowing about the sexual abuses for years and helping to cover them up. But now the crisis in the Vatican is being echoed by sex scandals in the Southern Baptist Convention. All the more shocking, according to a comment by one of my Facebook friends, 
because the Baptists are more word-oriented than the Catholics, and the Baptists should know what the Word of God teaches concerning morality. The Southern Baptists are embroiled in an investigation about how it harbored sexual abusers for years. A report found that over the past decade, more than 250 staffers or volunteers with Southern Baptist churches were charged with sex crimes against more than 700 victims. But now, when it comes to end-time signs, Israel and the Middle East always top the list. It's hard to keep up. So many of the signs portend the Ezekiel War described in chapters 38 and 39, which I've mentioned in many previous programs, if you want to catch up, telling how nations are now in alignment for these prophecies to be fulfilled. And after this war, when God intervenes to save Israel from the Iranians and from their northern enemies, it will be a lot easier for the Jewish people to rebuild their temple. And in fact, some eschatologists believe the future war will pave the way for the emergence of the building of the third temple. In fact, the nascent Sanhedrin, the re-emerging ancient council of Jewish sages, released a declaration to 70 nations to be read at a ceremony in Jerusalem on the last day of the most recent Hanukkah celebrations. The ceremony included the consecration of an altar in preparation for sacrificial worship in a third temple. The Sanhedrin's declaration was an invitation to the nations to participate in the rebuilding of the temple and to receive its blessings. Currently, the altar is in the form of loose concrete blocks with a ramp for the priest to ascend. The decision to prepare the blocks and all the details of their composition is the result of a long study performed by the members of the Sanhedrin in conjunction with the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. Presently, the stones are made of aerated concrete, but there are plans underway to prepare a new set made of actual stones. During the ceremony, there was a dress rehearsal, a full dress reenactment of the daily offering and grain offerings. Jewish men of the priestly caste who were descended from the first high priest, Aaron, the brother of Moses, are known as Kohanim. And they wore a biblically mandated garb to lead the ceremony. And a large menorah was part of the reenactment. Sanhedrin spokesman Rabbi Hillel Weiss explained the significance of the ceremony. He said that it was fitting to invite the nations to the ceremony since Hanukkah is about bringing light to the darkness. He said the Jews were meant to do this for the entire world. And he quoted the prophet Isaiah. So I'm telling you, my friends, these are just some of the many signs all around us heralding the soon return of Messiah. Not the least that Israel as a nation has now survived 70 years, a generation. And didn't Jesus tell us in Matthew 24, in his Olivet Discourse, that the generation that sees these signs fulfilled will see his return? So keep watching the Middle East and heed the words of Jesus in his Olivet Discourse when he admonished his disciples to learn the parable of the fig tree. He said, when its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. 
Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is right near at the door. Jesus said, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, but my words will not pass away. Therefore, be on the alert. What I say to you, I say to all, watch for the Lord's appearing. Amen and amen. Well, I pray to God that he's working in the hearts of anyone who has not yet received Jesus as Savior and Lord. And if that's you, if you're not certain, I urge and encourage you to receive him today, to turn from any wicked way, repent and receive the Lord's salvation by his blood. And in the meantime, let's take fresh courage in our blessed hope. Jesus is coming. While we can, let's be strong and take action, sharing the gospel and doing the exploits the Lord calls each one of us to do individually. And let's stay in touch on social media or at our website at exploits.tv where you can sign up to receive our free color magazine exploits. Don't forget, our Jerusalem Channel app is popular and it's available free to download from your app store. And so until next time, earnestly contending for the faith and praying always for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom and Maranatha.